You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back in, folks, to Big Blue Views Podcast Network, your go-to source for New York Giants audio content. We are continuing our off-season evaluations. We are now doing the Edge Group, talking about an underwhelming group that did not generate a whole lot of pressure coming off the edge. So we're going to dive into that as well as some future expectations on what they could be doing during this offseason to help address a pretty weak group on their defense. Before we get into it, though, folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening, and head to bigblueview.com. So, guys, uh, I, I think it was pretty easy to see this year that despite the defense playing at a significantly higher level and getting a huge boost from their secondary, Blake Martinez stepped up a ton, what was really holding them back was an inability to rush the passer. And guys like Lorenzo Carter and Kyler Fackrell, O'Shane Zimenez, obviously fit into this category. Jabal Sheard ends up getting picked up midway through the season. It's pretty safe to say, and I think you guys can agree with me, that they lacked one true guy to take over. And I'm not asking for somebody to be a 20-sack pass rusher. But this group clearly did not have somebody who could at least divert attention away to maybe free up some of the other players. So it might be best for them directionally to look elsewhere, for them to look in the draft, look in free agency. And we're going to spend, I think, most of our time on this show talking a lot about potential options. So we're going to get into that stuff. Before we do, though, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. All right, guys, let's talk about projecting the future. And the first point that I want to bring up here, this position group, I feel, has to be one of the top priorities during free agency. I don't know where you mix it in there, but it has to be, for me, top three. It has to be one of the top three that you're going to try and fix during this offseason period, either in free agency or either in the draft. And if you're ultimately in a situation where Dalvin Tomlinson or Leonard Williams walk, or heck, if maybe you mismanage this enough and both of them end up leaving, the money needs to be spent on edge because there's talent along the defensive line. But I think if if you spend that money or the draft, or this is specific to free agency, if you go and spend that money, it could be well worth it bolstering your pass rush with an already pretty good secondary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is, I would rank it as a top two positional need for the Giants. Basically, for me, it's edge and wide receiver. Those are the two positions they absolutely need to get fixed this offseason. 
If the Giants do not spend on Tomlinson and, and Leonard Williams or Leonard, Leonard Williams, they do need to go out and get themselves a pass rusher. They have, in some years, dealt JPP away. He has been you know, really great down in Tampa Bay. They dealt Olivier Vernon away. He never really lived up to his contract, but he was still pretty good when Miles Garrett was out. Uh, in the draft, they passed on Bradley Chubb. They passed on Josh Allen, the linebacker. And they passed on Montez Sweat. They they have really allowed that void to develop, and they need to fill it. They, that's a cornerstone position for a reason. Absolutely. And you look at some of these free agents, it's if they don't end up retaining someone like Dalvin Tomlinson and say bring back Leonard Williams, are they going to want to allocate money to someone like a Leonard Floyd or a Yannick Ngakwe? Then you have guys like Matt Judon. Is he a product of Wink Martindale's system down in Baltimore? I think he could translate to Patrick Graham's system. He's a very skilled player from a smaller school. He's 29 years old now, though. And I'm also open to bringing someone like Kyler Fackrell back because I felt like he fit into Graham's scheme and executed what he wanted to do at a solid level. And he was had on the cheap. And with the cap going down this year, it's not like anybody's going to be breaking the bank for Kyler Fackrell. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And, and this leads into talking about some free agents that can work and it's a little bit tough right now to project what the Giants are going to do because we don't know if they're going to cut anyone and I think if they do cut some of these offensive linemen it does clear up some space for them to pursue uh, maybe a more expensive pass rusher or just pursue a pass rusher in general in free agency but I I like a lot of those names that you mentioned here and particularly Kyler Fackrell who is not going to be expensive to bring back but is that a situation where you bring back Kyler Fackrell and then do you try to um, maybe sign somebody else. Like, a, w- there's there might be multiple ways to go about this, but there are some interesting names that might not be crazy expensive, because just hearing how people are talking um, about what to expect for this free agency, there might be some guys that don't have an offer that they're looking for. And similar to what happened with Logan Ryan, if they just wait it out, they might be able to sign somebody that's really good for a one year deal that's just looking for a prove it deal until they can get to the next uh, the next team. Yeah, the, the name I keep coming back to is Hassan Reddick. Just because, A, I really liked him at Temple. Uh, you know the Giants were watching when he basically destroyed them when they played the Cardinals. And I think he also has that kind of really versatile skill set where the NFL, tr- the Cardinals, the NFL tried moving him to inside linebacker, off-ball linebacker, and he can sort of do that. He does have the athleticism to play in space, but he is really at his best going downhill, rushing the passer. And he's got that athleticism, that speed rush the Giants just do not have. So all of that makes me think they, he could be a name to keep an eye on. Yeah, and I think as someone who's even cheaper, I really like that call, Chris, but someone who's even a little bit cheaper is Tano Passanio from the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's not like he's done you know, a whole lot in the league, but I think this coaching staff really values length and versatility and special teams. And I think he would be a solid addition who will definitely be had on the cheap. Maybe even someone like Dewan Smoot coming out of uh, Jacksonville. I think he was a kid from Illinois a couple of years back that was drafted like in the third round or something like that. I remember he was, he was, he had solid college tape and I haven't really kept up the, what, with what he's done in the league. That's just another option. That's probably going to be had on the cheap that can bolster this edge group for the giants. Yeah, and it's just kind of unfortunate that we can't look at like uh, Bud Dupree or Shaq Barrett. Their price tags are going to be just way too high even if the giants make a lot of cuts and even some difficult cuts you know those guys would be great i think they're the ones 
the Giants probably should be targeting, but they're just not going to be able to. Yeah, this is not going to be an offseason where they're going to be able to sign a guy like that, which is unfortunate because if they had the room and things were in a in a perfect spot for them, they could very well go from a, a strong defense to a really, really good one. If you throw Shaq Barrett in there, I would argue the pass rush in the in the front seven would be pretty formidable, but that's not going to happen. And I think the other direction here, if maybe they don't have the money or they don't like their options for edge, it gets a little bit more tricky in, tricky in the draft because this is a year where there's not really a number one clear-cut Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett type guy. There's a, a bit of a, a, a differing opinion on who the top player is, and I'm not really seeing them being projected until somewhere from 10 until 25, somewhere in that range. And some of the names that I keep seeing pop up are Aziz Ojolari, Joseph Asai, Gregory Rousseau. Do these guys, do you think, make sense at 11, or is that going to be a little bit too rich for where the Giants are picking? I think two guys that really intrigue me would be Ojolari and Phillips. I got to do a little bit more film on Ojolari. I know he has shorter arms, but I appreciate the kind of player that can bend around an edge and who's not a liability as a run defender, despite what some may think, because he has shorter arms and is only about 240 pounds. And Jalen Phillips, I know he has a lot of medical issues dating back to his time at UCLA, but the kid has a ton of pedigree, was a number one overall recruit in the 2017 draft or army recruiting cycle, and was just an absolute stud this past year, wore the same number as Gregory Rousseau, number 15 in 2020, because Gregory Rousseau opted out. And Jalen Phillips, he can do so many unique things with his game, and he's in a unique blend of run defense and incredible just control of his body and sudden movement skills for someone who's six foot five, about 260 pounds. So though, both those guys intrigue me. It would more ideally be a trade down type of situation. I like Quiddy Pay. I think Quiddy Pay could be a good football player, but I don't know if his skill set translates as well to what Patrick Graham's going to want to do. I, However, I do feel like wherever he goes, he puts his hand in the dirt, 4-3 end kind of guy. I think he can have success doing that, but I don't really think of him as a New York Giant. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same position. I'm not sure any of these uh, guys who are going to be drafted as edges are really worth the 11th overall pick. You know, Rousseau, maybe if you know that he is going to turn into JPP or Chandler Jones, but you also, you know, he is just a big puppy of a pass rusher right now. And I'm, I'm, I don't know that anyone can say if he is going to be JPP or Arden Key. At the, at the NFL level. If we're looking for somebody who can help the pass rush at 11, the guy I, I kind of keep coming back to, and who knows if he's going to be there or not, is Micah Parsons, because he does have that background as the defensive end. He can play off-ball linebacker. He can line up and blitz. You know, He can give you some pressure through the A or B gap, or he could actually line up as an edge on occasion. You know, Maybe on a third and forever, you line him up as an edge in a... You know, some kind of uh, four aces package or maybe in a five, two front type thing. I think he might actually be the giants best bet for an early pass rusher. If that's the direction they go. I actually really like that call, Chris. I mean, Michael Parsons, just because no one saw him in 2020, I feel like he's being slept on a little bit. You have Zavin Collins, who I also think would be a solid uh, addition in that similar mold where he can upgrade your pass rush despite the fact that he's a linebacker, but he had that excellent 2020. So everyone's talking about Zayvon Collins, but we shouldn't be sleeping on Micah Parsons. The the thing right now for Micah Parsons, which honestly could very well benefit the Giants, 
for those overthinking him in the top 10, for some strange reason, there are off-field concerns. And all of these off-field concerns are just stories based on uh, stupid interactions that he had while at school. I I don't want to go into the details of them because um, from what I understand, it's mostly uh, accusatory. It is from a player that had transferred, but it was basically getting in multiple um, scuffles and some hazing uh, possibilities and all that stuff. So heck, if the teams in the top 10 want to overthink Micah Parsons, that benefits the Giants. And if they feel that his character checks out and they want to draft him at 11, that could really work out for this situation. I think the one thing that does help additionally with Micah Parsons is you can almost kill two birds with one stone where he he maybe doesn't have to be an edge rusher every single down, but you use him from time to time. And then he can also be that secondary linebacker. So I, I think we can all agree that he would be the perfect player to have. Does he end up there? Probably not. I would assume that some other teams might end up selecting him, but what are some other like day two, uh, round two or three guys that maybe have caught your guys' eye just from watching some tape so far um, that we haven't maybe already mentioned? Because there are, there is some talent, uh, some quality, decent talent in that day two range. One more thing I wanted to say about Micah Parsons mm-hmm. before we go there is remember that Coach Spencer knows Micah Parsons. He coached him at Penn State. That's so very if anybody true. knows about his character, it's going to be the defensive line coach of the New York yeah. Giants. Yeah, that's a really good point. And as for some of these day two guys that kind of jump out, I think Quincy Roche is an interesting one more in the third round. I think some of the later guys, his teammate, Ad Ogundiji, is another one who is pretty interesting. I haven't gotten around too much to Jason Owe's film, but from what I've heard, he's an absolute freak of nature from a physical standpoint with literally no production. Chris, have you gotten eyes on him yet? Uh, a little bit. I You couldn't help but notice him uh, when I was watching Shaka Tone, who I think could be a possible maybe a mid-round uh a mid-round yeah mid-round selection but he's really more in the mold of what the Giants already have oh yeah he definitely has the uh the athletic tools that I think maybe the Giants could work with and develop as maybe a second or third round pick uh also I have to give a bit of a shout out bit of a bit of a deep cut to Joe Tryon uh recently came to my attention that uh Emery Hunt who Emery is his own man, but you have to, but nobody can take away from him that he knows what he's talking about. He actually has Tryon as his top edge in the whole draft. So I, I think that might be a name worth paying attention to. Yeah, I got to get more eyes on Tryon. I think I watched one film. He definitely has some burst and some unique use of hands that I saw. And by the way, I, I was, Dalen Hayes was the teammate of Ad Ogundiji yeah. that I was referring to. He's another player that I really do appreciate his film. Now, the production wasn't also. Like wasn't great, but like you could see the pop in his hands when he was down at the senior bowl. So he's another guy who could be a day three pick, could slip into round four, but or day two pick could slip into round four. But he's definitely somebody to pay attention to. Carlos Boogie Basham as well. He's definitely somebody that intrigues me, who I think will end up going on day two. I think ultimately the takeaway, folks, that you should have from this is it's it's probably going to be one of the most complex or one of the more complicated things that the Giants we'll have to resolve this offseason because there's a lot of money in in play for paying a good edge rusher. Do you try to take a discount and get a cheaper guy and bank on upside? And the same thing goes for the draft. There might not be really anybody there at 11 that they're in love with. They might have to bank on upside in a day two guy. So there's some interesting names that we've brought up on today's show. Hopefully this is addressed and we can be more positive about the defense next year in terms of their pass rush, but we'll continue to monitor and see how things end up turning out as free agency is actually starting to get really, really close. 
Folks, thanks for tuning in. As always, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Head to BigBlueView.com and follow us on social media at BigBlueView on Twitter and Instagram. Talk to you later, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.